Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You are listening to 3CR's Spoken Word, and I am George O'Hara once again. And this week we are continuing with the 3CR's Spoken Word fundraiser for 2019. I'm going to get straight on into it. This is the second part of Alan Pentland. Now, poetry's a tough gig. I had to take up smoking for this next one. It was Friday night. <laughs> I was on the wrong side of town. Traffic was crawling, rain pouring down. I, I didn't want to waste time. I had a long drive home. So I opened this app that came on my phone. Navigator. <laughs> the latest sat-nav technology. GPS precision, step-by-step spoken directions. Navigator, it knows where you're going even if you don't. So I asked the app, what's the quickest way home? And Navigator said, give me the phone. (laughs) Route calculation. At the next intersection, turn right. Well, that was interesting because I usually went left, but I just assumed Navigator knew the way that was best. At the next intersection, turn right. Whoa, that one came up quick and it gave me a fright because it was a tiny side street. There were no traffic lights. I mean, turning there was going to be hard. I had to move fast to avoid all the cars. Roundabout at the roundabout. Take the second exit. Second, what? You you can go straight. But then Council Roadworks made me turn left. Oh, dear, Navigator was not impressed. (laughs) Recalculating. Roundabout at the roundabout, take the fourth exit. Fourth exit? What did you just mean go back? But I want to get home. I said, don't worry, I know what to do. I ignored Navigator and I drove straight on through. Recalculating. Alternate route, select alternate route to save three minutes. Well, okay, so we went right, we went left, we went left, we went right, we sped down a lane. I ran over a bike, I think it was empty. I skidded in a driver's side, swiped the van and I punched Navigator to get a new plan. Recalculating at the next intersection, veer left, veer. I'm not even sure what veer supposed to mean but now I'm up in a car park making old people scream their shopping went flying so people cried no somebody must have dialed triple O recalculating police roadblock turn left now we ducked down a path that went by the creek some bike riders panicked they jumped in the drinker I'd run out of options there was nowhere to hide so I drove up a drain to see what's inside recalculating it was dark in there I was slipping and sliding not sure what to do till I crashed through a pipe and I was in someone's loo recalculating the toilet went flying there was a baby in diapers I had paper and poo stuck to my wipers as I backed out through the lounge I knew I was through there was a kid watching telly it was me on the news (laughs) recalculating outside was chaos there were police everywhere all lights were flashing as the blue chopper landed the cops yelled out stuff but I didn't understand it and then 10 laser targets lit up my chest the SWAT squad were wearing their bulletproof vests I got down on my knees with my hands on my head as the pepper spray hit navigator just said In 10 metres, on the right, you have reached your destination. (laughs) Well, that's how it happened. As I recall. But, uh, Your Honour, I swear, 
If you give me a break, from now on I will never use apps to help navigate. Yeah, yeah, there is. Life can be, you know, there's a lot of stress and you hear it in a lot of um, poetry and I was visiting a school just the other day talking to all these boarders about the stress that they have and mental health issues, you know, we all, such a social issue, but, you know, the, there are ways. And I know, I know a place where the people are calm and they wear special gowns <laughs> and there's a flower arrangement and a spiritual stone and a man who can heal just by touching your bones. He's Edward, Edward, my chiropractor. <laughs> Now, we, we don't call him Ed, Teddy or Ted because he doesn't like shortening the way that it's said. <laughs> oh, he's a miracle man with a wedge in his hands curing every disease that is known to man. He's Edward, say it, Edward, Edward, my chiropractor. Now, on the very first day, he sent me away to some medical place for a special x-ray. He insists on the best. No expense ever spared, because we claim it all back on my Medicare. When we got the results, he knew just what to say. He read out the notes the technician had made. There was inflammation. And the rest sounded vague, but it all needed treating. So that was okay for Edward. Edward, my chiropractor. <laughs> I mean, no matter the symptoms, no matter the pain, he knows what to do because it's always the same. There's a bit of a rub and a twist and a crack. Oh, then he slipped the wedge in just under my back and walked out the door, leaving me all alone. So my spine realigned while he talked on the phone. I mean, once he was even away overseas. But the receptionist said she'd manipulate me. Well, as I lay on the bench, it felt much the same. She used the same wedge and she caused the same pain. I could tell straight away. She'd been trained by the best as she dug in her thumbs again and again and again till I begged for mercy and I called out his name, Edward! Edward! My chiropractor. <laughs> when the sessions are over, I feel so serene. <laughs> As I swipe my card on the FPOS machine, the receptionist smiles, says, See you next week. And I limp out the door and I think I'm okay, but I'm never quite sure. With Edward, Edward, my chiropractor. <laughs> All right.
waiting here now at the beginning of the world for the next event on the card, which is Darwin's Evolutionary Endurance Steeplechase to be run over 200 million years. And it's a typical hot, sticky day here at the beginning of the world. The track is rather heavy as it's been raining for the last 50,000 years and there are large oceans and boiling mud pools all over the place. <laughs> I see the early runners are now merging out of the swamps and the slime now. The Ichthyosaurus has settled down well early, I see, followed by the Pterodactyl, Triceratops and Finally, the big Tyrannosaurus Rex. All in now, waiting starters orders in the evolutionary stakes. Lights are flashing. Racing now, and the Tyrannosaurus jumped out well just ahead of a large field of dinosaurs as they head for the first turn. Passing the 120 million year mark, we see the dinosaurs have dropped right back in the field and the early primates and dolphins now jostle for the lead. The dolphins appear to be just in front by a head. Oh, wait, oh, look, oh, no, there's been an incident, and the dolphins have dived back into the water, and they're not coming out. Well, from my position in the box here, it's very hard to say if there was interference then or not, but the dolphins are definitely in the water, and the early primates have taken the lead. We can see the race has taken a heavy toll on a lot of runners now. Primitive man seriously hampering the run of any number of species. At present, the field is Java man on the outside, Peking man, Neanderthal man, Cro-Magnon man, Homo sapiens in front by a low forehead and bushy eyebrow. And what a race it's turning into now as the rats have moved up with the leaders who are reeling under the effects of plague. This is giving the humans a bit of their own medicine. They don't like it, but they're clinging onto the lead with the rats ready to overtake at any moment. The rest of the field has dropped right back and a thriller it's turning into as the ants and the insects are starting to make their present fill and are finishing very strongly as we pass the final ice age and leave the prehistoric period. It's the rats, it's the ants, it's the humans, it's the rats, it's the humans. I can't pick up between these three runners as they pass the post. Well, I wouldn't like to hazard a guess as to the result of that. Could the humans hold out? Did the rats get up and snatch it at the post or did the ants and the insects eventually wear them both down? The judges have called for the photo. Ah, the numbers are going up now. We have a result in the evolutionary stakes and it's mankind, mankind by a short head and half a brain. Correct weight has been given a final time of 2019 in the modern era. Thank you. I had to add that bit in. That was uh, our very own Santo Katsati, who was the host for the evening. Uh, he did an absolutely wonderful job. It was very, very funny. Uh, and we're throwing some 3CR stings in there as well. Uh, next up uh, is uh, Michael Reynolds, introduced by Carmen Main, a new addition to our crew, a uh, relatively new addition. Uh, so let's have a listen to a Michael, introduced by Carmen. He's a great friend, a wonderful poet, an amazing contributor to our community. Um, and he wrote a book, a little, little chat book called Upon Finding a Chair in the Forest. And I thought I'd introduce him by reading something that Steve Smart wrote for the back of this book, if that's okay. Yes. What shines through in this collection, as in all Michael's work, is the great love and respect he has for words and for human beings who populate these poems. 
There is a generosity of spirit here that is all too rare. Um, so, yeah, you're about to hear something very special from Michael. Um, he's like that. He has a bit of something for everyone. Um, and the other thing I thought I would mention is that he's one of the only people that I'm aware of that's ever received the Sander McLeod Award for services to the Melbourne poetry community. So it's a real honour. So well done, Michael. And thank you so much for being here tonight. I'll bring you up to the stage, Michael Reynolds. We also both like Hank Williams. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone likes Hank Williams. I know Santo, Santo was in on that recording. He actually hates Hank Williams. Thank you. Oh. Oh, thank you. Thank you so very much, Carmen. And um, yeah, everyone at uh, 3CR, uh, yeah, please support the radio station. I suppose I'd better do some poetry. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, yeah. Um, you haven't got that thing with you now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. So many times I've um, introduced people to the microphone at, as host of Passionate Tongues and I've always been absolutely shit scared that of, that of, of um, putting them off their poetry by being too gushy, which I which I usually am, and um, now it's now it's um, now it's happened to me, and I'm going. <laughs> um, yeah, most most of my most of my poems are, uh, are quite short, uh, and um, and the first the first four that I'll read are act, were actually all um, inspired by um, photographs, um, and um, just before I realised they were all actually photos from the one place, and that was a um, um, poetry website that I used to um, frequent um, around about uh, 15 years ago. Uh, the first one is actually the title poem um, to the chapbook. Um, uh, Upon finding a chair in the forest. There is nobody else around, but you look about, for here is proof somebody has been before. Curiosity and amusement draw you to the metal and plastic chair placed there by no one for everyone. And you think of the crowded train, the one seat remaining surely not for you. But your quick search confirms who the chair is for. It is yours, but only if you feel comfortable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Um, Love Heart Graffito. Someone painted a heart on a cold steel door. What were they thinking? Lost or stolen, one heart answers to the name of love. Last seen on my sleeve. Heart seeking companionship. Like-minded souls apply here. See, the door has a handle. Open it. My heart, even yours, is a simple action away. Whatever the reason, they were thinking about love and you who stopped to look. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, this, uh, this, this, uh, th this short one uh, was actually um, inspired by a very grainy black and white photo of um, snow falling on a... Um, on 
onto a pond. And um, so, uh, and I wrote this one about um, being bullied. It's called um, On the Surface. Snow falls like insults on the water. Ripples spread. White ice turns clear, melts, ripples disappear. More snow. The surface thickens, a little cloudy, still smooth, almost. Below the surface, it is cold. The poetry website uh, was actually an American one and I found out very quickly after I posted that one, um, it wasn't actually snow they were photographing, it was flower petals because it was spring over there. But <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny about that. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the, the next one, um, called After the Fire, um, was a, a photo of a... Um, of a burnt out um, childcare centre and it made me think about um, the, a, um, a scene after a bushfire and when you look at photos of burnt out um, landscape you're always looking for something green, something, something hopeful and so that's, uh, so that's what this one is. After the fire. The bailing twine, suture for broken things, stops the barrier net from leaning further. A precarious defence. Fire line, keep out. Bright yellow snatches attention. A notice to take no notice. Thoughts turn to rebuilding. Not if, but when and how long. As replacement and regrowth after a bushfire. The first green foliage diminishing blackness with optimism. The bailing twine. First sign of repair, perennial, adaptable, ugly, hasty hero. Gives me hope. Thanks. The words. The words well up inside me until they are a sea. Do I say it now? And the monsters, deep, deep down, cannot swallow it all. The words crash in waves, form currents and tides pulled by the moon. Do I say it now? I wait until it's calm and plunge in. But the words choke and pull me under. Do I say it now? I struggle against them, away from the monsters, towards you. Say it. I stand on the edge of my mind, coughing on my words, and you are there. Say it now. And so am I. Yes, say it now. I love you. And I breathe once more. Yes! Thanks. Thanks. Um... This, this one I, I wrote after, um, after watching a documentary about um, Michelangelo and it's um, based on a lot of, um, lot of his quotes. The marble is hard and cold, yet in my hands, malleable, so torrid. Inside this earth's bone, a building block of utopia, is what lies inside the sculptor's mind. Nothing will emerge that I cannot imagine. Do not call me a mere labourer. I seek the cleanest blocks. No crack or black vein shall blemish my creation. Pure as sincerity, 
I envisage perfection. A man will wither, not sow his likeness in stone, a fleeting expression immobile, a flash of anger, an instant of doubt, a smile of recognition the observer a hundred years from now is compelled to return. My sculpture has been within this block forever. I chip, scrape and polish away the excess. Its existence will be as long. Yes. Thanks. Um, there's, there's probably only one or two of you in the room that would recall or remember um, Johnny Shakespeare. Uh, crazy old man with um, a wild shock of um, grey hair and grey beard, one leg. And if you ever heard him recite Kubla Khan, um, you would remember forever. Um, it's called um, One of Us. Um, for John Norman, 1940 to 2002. Yeah. At the Dan O'Connell Hotel, angry young man, fists clenched, stands over Johnny. But Johnny is one of us. Plastic leg crossed, cigarette in one hand, Guinness in the other, eyes narrow, replies, No, I will not shut up. I shall not be silenced. I shall rave on as much as I damn well like. Johnny's 100-pint club shirt brought to Angry Man's attention. 20 more here. Angry Man's girlfriend takes him away. Johnny grins, continues oration, amusing and angering 100-pinters. We'll let him do it. He's one of us. We know he'll be quiet when Pat McKernan sings, but he'll upstage the dancers by marching through them. When the song finishes, he'll quote biblical text, or Shakespeare, or Elvis. We'll all say, shut up, and he'll grin. He's one of us at the art house. First one there, his Monday night chair near the fire is his throne. Smoking the tree of life, he surveys and comments on all. The microphone may be at the other end of the room, but the stage is wherever he is. First on the open mic, if the MC's introduction is too long, he'll join him or her and carry on regardless. <laughs> Kubla Khan was written 200 years ago for Johnny alone to recite. Words from a Shakespeare sonnet would ease from his lips onto his gesturing palm and drip between his fingers held out for all to behold. Any experience with Johnny is an experience. He was one of us at the Church of All Nations, the preacher said to those gathered to celebrate Johnny. He'd give a commentary on every sermon, amusing and annoying us all. We let him do it. He was one of us. Flowers piled high on his coffin, tear-eyed pallbearers marching. His final exit to standing applause. Yes. Yeah. Johnny Shakespeare. Yeah. <sighs> um... Uh, yeah, okay, the next one I'll do is also from the uh, laptop. Oh. <laughs> now, um, 
I was I was lucky enough pl uh, uh, and honoured enough to um, to get a feature at uh, at the beautiful um, gig which was uh, Westward, and this is. Um, this is uh, se several years ago, and um, they, they used to have a theme every week, and um, I had to write on the theme of the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was given about three months to do it, and um, I wrote it. I wrote this the night before. <laughs> I can fly higher than an emu, cause you are the wind beneath my blanket. You are the troll beneath my bridge. You are the red beneath my bed. You are the haiku beneath my limerick. You are the Nissan Dormer beneath my good ship Venus. You are the Wolverine beneath my goofy. You are the I don't think we're in Kansas anymore beneath my hey this ain't Miami Beach. You are the yin beneath my yang. You are the ding beneath my dong. You are the ping beneath my Forget it. You are the harp beneath my banjo. You are the road scholar beneath my village idiot. You are the human being beneath my Britain's Got Talent judge. You are the Lawrence Olivia beneath my Tony Danza. You are the Placido Domingo beneath my legendary Starlight Cowboy. You are the Steinway beneath my Casio. You are the Rolex beneath my Casio. You are the Casio beneath my Casio. You are the James Joyce's Ulysses beneath my Beano. You are the chess set beneath my Hungry Hungry Hippo. You are the Pablo Picasso beneath my Ken Joan. You are the pickup line beneath my fart joke. You are the do not press this beneath my big red shiny button. You are the that's not a poem, it's just a list beneath my list poem. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, uh, this is this is probably um, one one of the very few form poems I've ever written, and um, I, I love just announcing the fact that it's a um, it's a permutation poem uh, at um, at gigs um, without really explaining. And um, and you read the first line, such a short line, you see everyone's eyes glaze over, um, and and you could see them thinking to themselves, this won't take long. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so you go through all those different permutations, and then you get just silly with it. So this is a sort of sound poem. This is a sound poem. This poem is a sound. Is this a poem sound? Is this sound a poem? Is a poem this sound? This is a poem sound. A poem is this sound. This poem is sound. A. This psalm is a pound. Psalm is a piss sound. This is a pose mound. His son is a dumb poet. This, a poem, is no sud. Oh, Sodom, this is a pun. Poems sound a thissy. So this is a nud poem. Poo me, this is the sun. I know as I doth mess up. A po is un, so is the dum. That is so undum, o oh, is. Unpo ethos, is is mad. Sissa sothi done. Poem. Heart pussy is dent moo. This a poem isn't so ud. 
<laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, just a couple, couple to go. Uh, okay, this one's entitled. This is entitled. Entitled. It's not called. It's spoken. If it's called called, it could still be spoken or called out, but not spoken if called. If it's called spoken, it's definitely not called called. The title entitled, however, may be called as the caller is entitled and the rest spoken. If it is called out, the reader is called outspoken, but if it's spoken out, he could be outspoken by someone else. And if he's out, no one would hear his call unless he was calling them because they'd hear there and he wouldn't need to call out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And that's all we have time for this week. I did cut that one short, well, not that poem, but there are two more poems by Michael that I'll be playing next week and the next feature, which you'll have to tune in to find out who that is. Uh, so until next week, this is George O'Hara for 3CR's Spoken Word. 